Hi, my name is Anja Karwowska and I'm the host of this amazing podcast, Get Unstuck with Your English. If you are a neurodivergent person, struggling with learning the language, tend to procrastinate too much, or maybe you have so many goals you get lost right over bed, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you have come to the right place, my friend. I'll teach you how to apply cognitive science and evidence-based methods to your learning. I will walk you through the learning plateau. If you're scared to talk, the vocabulary evaporates your mind. You have been studying for ages, following shiny objects, binge-watching Netflix, hoping that the knowledge will cross your head first Moses. If so, I'm here to help you. I'll show you how to study and tackle the language, and most importantly, how to make it stick. I'm inviting you on the journey with me. Let's add a science sprinkle to your learning. Hi and good morning, it's me, Anja Karwowska, broadcasting that message from Canadian-American border. I hope you have a nice day. Yes, we're in November right now, and I know it's not dyslexia month anymore, however, dyslexia stays for life. So today I will talk about my dyslexia pet peeves. <laughs> we all have things that we find annoying or really irritating. So today I will talk about my pet peeves because I have collected some. So in the past couple of weeks I have been talking to the teachers and I've had lots of conversations. I do understand that teaching is hard. We are asked to attend PD conferences, right, and constantly study and learn and develop our practice. But there's lots of misconception in the in this field. So let me start with my favorite, maybe not favorite, but most popular pet peeves. Very often teachers complain, and I do understand this, that students are really discouraged and they do not want to practice. So truth be told, I agree, students get discouraged, they do not want to practice. Is it a problem? It is. I, I'm with you on this one. So we think that they, they are lazy maybe or they, they get discouraged very easily. However, bear it in mind that a dyslexic student works really, very, very hard. So if it's two for you, I mean like on a scale of one to 10, if it's two for you, for them it will be nine or 10 because it takes so much work from them to process the information, to read or write. So it's not only that they are lazy or they do not want to study they are really overworked. Second of all, parents are not helping because they think that paperwork solves it all. Yes, there is problem and I think that parents need more education and also they need more support to understand that their diagnosis is just to help the children develop and be successful, not as an excuse. And I think it stems from the pedagogy of low expectations where students are expected to be not achievers or underachievers that's another problem. So again, another issue that someone has actually raised, and I really like that one, is that there's lots of materials for dyslexic students, students with delayed development or lots of creative materials, trainings, 21st century skills, flipped classrooms, 20 something methods of how to learn a language, etc. So the person said that these are trends that are just cherry picked from general or spec ed and they are forced onto the teachers. I really like that one because I would love to dismantle that myth. So first of all, I do agree there are lots of materials. Yes, they are. Are teachers expected to be showcases? Yes, they are. That's unfortunate. However, my take on this is that there are many materials and I understand that it's very difficult to practice your own discernment and decide which ones are evidence-based and which aren't. 
absolutely. However, I have to disagree with the notion that general spec ed goes into the um, ESL classroom and it's just a passing fad. This is not a fad. So I have to break it to you, the um, crossover between spec ed, cognitive psychology and ESL classroom. It has been discussed and researched since the 1960s. So it's not a novelty and it's not a passing fad. It's there to stay. However, I have to agree that the variety of materials, the plethora of resources that teachers have to choose from can be problematic because teachers are not taught how to discern between evidence-based practice and not evidence-based practice. And this is not on the teachers, absolutely not, because teachers are not researchers. This is on colleges of education and teaching training programs because they perpetuate myths when it comes to dyslexia. And this is why teachers have problems choosing and they call it cherry picking, right? What is right, what is wrong. Another person also raised a very interesting comment about bilingual kids that the person said that they've noticed a pattern that many teachers stubbornly stick to programs that they haven't read. If they had, they'd know that the program is very flexible while demanding them that pointlessly teaching the same material as learning English as L2. I absolutely agree. This is a problem. Teaching bilingual kids is absolutely different in contrast to teaching kids who are ESL learners. It is absolutely different. And even working with a bilingual dyslexic kid or multilingual dyslexic kid is different in contrast to working with a, a student who, who is an English language learner or who is an ESL student. I do agree. So what I've noticed, and I have run from many, many questions uh, and remarks, and I really appreciate it because I think it's a learning curve for me and I do get a lot from all of those conversations, is that teachers mention books. So they mention books that are, well, the graphic layout is not the best. So I know that, I know that publishers, and that's me talking to publishers. If you are a publisher of um, English language teaching materials, please, please, please do not cram all the materials on one page. It's not helping, even if the student is not dyslexic, really. It's hard to concentrate. So yeah, teachers were talking about materials. Teachers were talking about professional development that is problematic because there's so much and what to do and that they have to carry out different ideas that have been implemented into their heads. And I totally understand it. However, what really has struck me is that none of the teachers, and I have talked to more than 100 people and I have interviewed more than a couple of hundred people in the last weeks, none of, none of them mentioned technical stuff behind teaching. So I know that teachers love stickers or sticking or repetition or just writing from the board, but none of them referred to how to teach ESL student. And what that, but what I mean by that is how, not how to strategize about him. So whether to use modification. So now again, I have to break it to you. Modifications are useful, but you have to teach your student. You just can't, you can't just lower the expectations. So what I found really striking was that no, no one referred to methodology on how to teach ESL students. So how to create a decodable reader, um, how to interpret spelling mistakes. That's another, another of my pet peeves. Oh yeah. And I have just remembered, and I have to talk about that too, is that, that dyslexic, not, dyslexic students do not have to spell. So my take on this is that you cannot punish someone for the spelling. That's a, however, spelling is the door to successful and skilled reading and dyslexics can learn to spell. So I cannot state it enough 
And there is a plethora of research you can dive into Professor Slinara Ellery's work. Spelling is crucial, so I wouldn't diss spelling as such. And another pet peeve that I have picked up is that lots of teachers talk about dyslexia fonts. So I know it's, it's very difficult to uproot the myths in education and dyslexia fonts is one of the myths. Dyslexic fonts do not work. There's lots of research, really plethora of research behind that. And I'd be more than happy to, to direct you to evidence-based resources. Dyslexia fonts do not work. By that, I mean that if someone prefers a certain font, that's perfect. However, you cannot, you cannot apply dyslexic font and say, okay, so my classroom is dyslexia friendly. Other, other pet peeve of mine is the dyslexic ESL, maybe not dyslexic, just generally English classroom. We teachers love colors and love prints, and I'm guilty of that as well. However, less is better. Be minimalistic. So this is a very short episode of my dyslexia pet peeves. I could talk for hours, however, I do not want to bore you to death. In two weeks' time, I'll be talking about bilingualism and dyslexia and why it is so crucial for a bilingual child to be assessed in two languages and why it matters. However, I just wanted to finish and tell you that I'm working on a course which is called Dyslexia in the ESL Classroom. There will be a free, and I underline it, free challenge in January 2023 in my Facebook group. So if you're interested on how to create a decodable reader, how to work with dyslexic ESL students, how to interpret spelling mistakes, how to teach spelling, how to teach grammar, why spelling matters, and how can we teach and empower dyslexic ESL students so they can master spelling, fill out my survey, which is just in the podcast episode description, and you will receive my free ebook, Multisensory Grammar, and on the top of it, you'll be the first one to know when I run my challenge. I love sharing my knowledge and I know that teachers are underappreciated, overworked. I am a teacher myself, so I've been in your shoes and I want to make your life easier. That's why I came up with that idea for a short three-day training, which will lead to my course, because as you know, I'm a person who values no secret approach, so I'm not hiding anything from you. The challenge will lead to my paid course, but even if you choose just to come and take part in my challenge, you'll learn a lot and you'll receive lots of materials, so why not? It's like a win-win situation. So I wish you all the best and I wish you the greatest success in whatever you're working on. And I know as teachers, we're constantly working on something, right? We're constantly just enjoying those never-ending professional developments, whatnot. And talk to you soon. Have a lovely, lovely day or evening, whenever or wherever you're listening to me. Lots of love and take care.